Hello and welcome back to another episode of Drama School Dropout, which is now part of the High Productions family. As per usual, my name is Ingram Noble and I am your resident Drama School Dropout. And Drama School Dropout is now what I am calling a global phenomenon because we are charting in three different countries. I mean, we're not really a global phenomenon, but we are going to feed into my fantasy of being famous and we're going to boost my ego a little bit. And it feels great. But here we are at episode 24. It's the penultimate episode of the double drama school dropout month because I have been celebrating turning 23 because there was nothing else for me to do to celebrate my birthday during this month. But we're only going back to one episode a week next month and some of the guests that I have got lined up are iconic. But I want to thank everybody that is listening in at home because like I said we are charting in three different countries and that's fucking mental. I'd also like to thank everybody that came on and gave me their time and participated in the podcast. But this episode, episode 24, is a bit ironic because I am a Scottish drama school dropout and today I am chatting to one of the stars of the film This Is England. So please welcome to the podcast, Thomas Turgoose. Drama school dropout no graduation day for you, drama school dropout. Fucked your whole course, now try something new, drama school dropout. Hello. 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 How are you? How are you? Okay. I'm good. It's always a bit weird because we have a little chat before we officially start recording and then it's like, hello, how are you again? Yeah. 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 I'm past caring how you are. Yeah, I'm just uh, I'm just past caring it now. Yeah, no, I don't care. I'm just glad you're not dead. Um, so yeah, let's... no, I know. Yeah, for a bit of context for the listeners, um, England. Oh, go on, sorry. So last night while I was doing my research, I came across an article that was put on yesterday. It was the twentieth of March, apparently, and you had apparently died. Um, it didn't say how you had died or anything, but yeah, you were dead and. People were flocking to the internet that's, apparently that's to, to pay their condolences. So I'm very glad that you're yeah. here and that you're here. <laughs> so um, I've resurrected. Yeah, I'm back. I'm back. Has that the first time that that's happened to you? Because obviously, you yeah, every day on the internet, people are like, "Oh, Miley Cyrus is dead." She's not. Yeah, well, uh, well, it's just been saying, wasn't we? That like that's kind of like super famous people that get all those. And the last one I heard was Elon Musk. Elon Musk had died, and then he took to Twitter to say, "I'm not dead." So, and yeah, I don't know. That's yeah, and I bet it'd be a boring death if 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 it was a, a room. I don't know. I died on my Xbox or something like that. It'd be it somewhat boring. It wouldn't be anything very exciting. Sorry. It did say you died in Grimsby, so maybe you just died at home. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, maybe I died because of Grimsby Town Football Club's results of of late. <laughs> That's the only thing that might drive me to that at the moment. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so what I normally like to ask everyone when they first come on the podcast is, how did you get into acting and what was your first role? But I feel like that may ruin the gem of a story that I think I may have found if I actually ask you that. Uh, the ge- as in, as in the, the story of how I was cast and then yeah, the first so- job that I did. Is it true that you charged the people who were cast in This Is England a fiver for you to audition? Yes. Yeah, it was true. It was um so Des Hamilton, who has quickly become one of the one of the most respected casting directors in the industry, I feel. He's cast some of my favorite films. Um he 
he sat down with Shane in 2005, Shane Meadows, who wrote and directed a film called This Is England. Um, and they spoke together about finding uh, a kid who'd never acted before, someone who was very much salt of the earth and very much from that similar sort of background as Sean Fields. Um, and it just so happened that I was living in Grimsby um, with my single mum, with my eldest brother, Carl, um, and I was never in school. So what what happened with me was I used to spend a lot of time at um, a youth centre called The Space Project, um, which isn't there anymore, um, which is a real shame. Um, but basically, I, I used to spend sort of two or three days a week at the youth centre, and then I should have spent two or three days at school. Never really did the school, never really kept my end of the bargain. So basically, it was this, it, they just basically taught us life skills, and they you know, they took us out on trips and things like that. And they, and they, they sort of, they, they taught me so much in the sense that how to be with adults and how to respect kid. Um, and I went round, I went round there one morning and I saw a big group of people outside. And I, I said to one of my mates, I thought, is there a fight going on over there? Like a crowd of people. So I went running over and Des Hamilton and a guy called Al Mackay um, uh, said to me, do you want to audition for a film? And I said, uh, what, what do you mean film so you're casting a film in Grimsby what are you doing and then uh, they said oh basically if we just want to get you in and we just want to chat to you about your life and you know what's going on in your day-to-day -day routine um which is, is available on YouTube actually I watched it yeah uh, so there's a so bit where the guy says to you where do you live and you hit out with your address like you don't just say oh did I put that on there <laughs> Yeah, you just on Guildford Street, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I was like, <laughs> yeah, oh, still doesn't live there because that's like no, no, in your no. own address. <laughs> so, they, um, so yeah, they, so they asked me if I wanted to audition for this film and I was very much, and still now, you know, if I know there's a bit of money to be made, if I can use my, my, my sense, <laughs> there's a bit of money to be made. I'm out there, I'm hustling. That's what I was like when I was a kid. So I said to him, well, yeah, I'll do the audition, but I'm never going to be put into this film. You're never going to cast me. So I want a fiver for my audition because I wanted some something for my time. Um, and Des Hamilton, you know, reached into his pocket give me the fiver and then he, he got in touch with my mum a couple of days later and said that Shane Meadows really wants to meet Tomo um to to speak to him more about this part um about in this film and I remember my my mum's phone ringing and she shouted me and she went Tomo said these people want to talk to you about this film that you went for and I went yeah tell them if they want to talk to me again it's a tenor this time so it went up to a tenor and then they wanted me then to go to Nottingham to meet the rest of the cast. Um, that cost them, I think it was a PlayStation 2. And then there was mobile. And it was because, it, again, I was just I, in my head, I was like, I'm never going to be put into this film. That's never going to happen. So I want to sort of, you know, make a quick book, you know, squeeze yeah. in for all I can. And then it just so happened. And, that, and, that, and that's just what they loved, I think. They loved my sort of my honesty and my realism. And that's exactly what they wanted for for Sean uh, Fields in This Is England, which going on to your second question was the first ever thing that I'd ever done. I'd never been on a film set. I'd, I was supposed to do a nativity play in school, um, which I got kicked out of. I wasn't allowed to do it because of my behaviour. Um, so yeah, it just it just all so happened. It was it's just an overnight thing, really. While I was reading those things, I was genuinely sat thinking, like you asking for a fiver and asking for money. Yeah, I'm going to invoice you for this. By the way, this is that's the that's the next thing. I will send an invoice for this. I've got no money, so you can send an invoice. <laughs> but but I bet while you were asking for those stuff, there was like little lights, just like ding, 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 like. It's cheeky, and the characters like a little cheeky. ticking boxes. I think, yeah, just sort of everything that they wanted for for Sean like, Fields. This is Sean. We may have found somebody here, 
And that's like, yeah, and, that's, and that's the one thing that people always say to me because people say, would you give me any advice in going into the acting world? And I've always said, and I always will say is always be yourself. Never go in there and try and be anyone different. You know, just always be honest to yourself and be honest to the people who you know and people who've brought you up because you owe that to them that, you know, they've put a lot into making you who you are. So you should never change that, you know, um, no matter what it's for. So, um, yeah, I guess it was, um, yeah, just, it's just, yeah, it's just about me being a cheeky, cheeky little chappy, really. I was scrolling through Instagram the other day, and before we move on, fucking congrats, fucking congratulations, mate! You're going to be a dad. Yeah, yeah, the first time. Yeah, yeah, this is the first time I've spoken about it really in a podcast, um, uh, or anything. Uh, yeah, man, it's. It's very exciting. But you know what's doing my head in is people keep going, oh, you're having a lockdown, baby. It's like, no, because I've been with my wife for nearly 12 years now. We're yeah. married. We live in it's not a lockdown, baby. It's very much like I don't want my baby to be a reminder of lockdown in 2020. Like, can we just say, oh, my God, you've been together for years. You deserve this. Yeah. Lockdown, baby. Oh, God. I don't know. I'm thinking I don't know what I might, I might call. All my baby lockdown <laughs> point hours. Just, I don't know. But yeah, no, it's all very, very exciting. Um, so see, when you went to that set for This Is England the first time, was mm. there a moment of like, what the fuck am I doing? Because obviously you've never been on a film set. And what was it like getting the script for the first time? Were you like, I've got to learn all this shit, fuck? Or were you like, well, yeah, let's do it? I was very fortunate in a sense that This Is England, it's not scripted at all. It's all it's all improvised. So there's a script there. So I, I'm convinced that Shane Meadows just writes scripts just to get the financing. That's all he does it for. <laughs> because he, whenever we go back and work with Shane, he always says it. He'll go, have you learned your lines? And you go, yeah. He goes, right, we'll forget them then because we're not doing them. Um, so I was very fortunate in a sense that I had nothing to learn as such. And it was all very much off the cuff. And and that's still how I work today. You know, even when I'm away from This Is England and I'm working on things like, you know, I've done small things in Game of Thrones, in Kingsman and things like that. Every situation that I find myself in as a character, I always try and put myself in that situation and make it as real as possible. So that's what I did from, and that's what I learned from a very young age from people like Vicky McClure and... Stephen Graham and Andrew Shim and all the guys from This Is England. Um, so the first day on set was actually the first scene of the film. So I was in my pants. So I was in my pants. The first scene of the film is where he gets out of bed and he, he stops the alarm clock and gets ready for school. And I remember being in my pants in front of all these people and I'm thinking, what have I got myself into here? Like all these people that I've never met and I'm, what, I'm, I'm a 14 year old boy and I'm walking around in my pants. I find this a bit weird. Uh, but you know, that everyone made me feel comfortable. Uh, and you know everyone from runners to to producers to actors to caterers and everybody sort of really really helped me out in a sense of you know that they, they taught me how to present myself and how to be and how to treat people yeah. in, prof in the professional world because you know there's only so far that you can get with being a gobby little shit and trying to take the I get, yeah, trying to take the piss really is what I did a lot when I was. A, so for that, I owe you know I owe I owe so much to to everyone on that film that sort of molded me into the man. That I I like to think that I'm quite professional nowadays. So um, yeah, it's uh, I mean you I still mean, have your bits of fun. Roles, there, but... So I'd imagine you're quite professional. Say yeah. that again, sorry. 
you, well, you're still booking roles and things, so I'd imagine you're quite professional. Yeah. He likes to work with an arsehole. Yeah, yeah, no, that's it. It's kind of like, I, I quickly learned that, you know, to go into your auditions and to your meetings, you need to be prepared. You need to know what you're on about. You know, because there was times when I was a kid when I was reading scripts and I'd have, I'd, I'd have the script here and I'd be doing the audition and the casting director said to me, can you bring the paper down so you can see your face? And I think things like that now as a man that would never go into an audition room unless I'm fully prepared. You know, I'd rather just not go in. Um, but things like that, I always remember things like that from when I was a kid. And that sort of, if I'm sitting there with a script that I need to learn and I'm thinking I can't be asked, I think, think of how ashamed you felt when the casting director asked you to move that paper because you didn't know your lines. Yeah. Like, that's embarrassing. So talking about auditions, how do you, do you like auditions? Because I think I'm one of the rare minority that thrives in auditions. At the moment, auditions are tough. Auditions are very, very tough because you sit around and you, because you're sitting at home all day and you sit and, and I do it and I moan to my friend. I've got, you know, I've got friends who are actors and we, we FaceTime a lot and we go, God, I just want, I want some auditions. I want some work. I want to do it. And then when it comes, I really find the, the drive it's difficult to find the drive to get up and do it and get it all done and it's really really difficult to to sort of find any headspace to to get into it at the moment um and do you know what normally I moan and I don't know if you're the same but I when I get a script and if my agent sends me an email on a Wednesday and says right you've got a, you've got an audition on Friday I always go oh I've only got two days to learn this I wish I had more time now I'm finding that I've got a lot more time I had one a couple of weeks ago that I got sent for me for, I had it for two weeks and I never really looked at it that much. You've been given all the time that you've been moaning for, for years. And now you're not utilizing it as much as you could be, you know? So it's kind of like, I don't know. So trying to find that drive is really difficult at the moment, but also having said that, once you get into it, it's like anything, once you start something, it's like tidying the house. When you, when your house is a mess, you go up, I always start, I was going, all oh, right, I'll just empty the dishwasher and then I end up wiping the sides and then I'm mopping and then I'm in the front room. And before you know it, I'm clearing out the old photo albums out of the attic. <laughs> so once you get every, once you get started, that's when it starts, starts to the yeah. snowball effect. So yeah, I mean, I, I do enjoy auditioning. I enjoy getting into it. And I've got a few, few friends who live in Grimsby who were really, really good and patient with me and helped me out with them a lot. So yeah, I'm kind of, I do enjoy them. What about you? Do you, do you say you enjoy them? So I'm seeing it on both ends just now because I'm casting a show and I'm also auditioning for drama schools. So right. I, I can talk about it because by the time this comes out, the whole process will be over. I'm auditioning for the conservatoire in Glasgow, which is like the third best acting school. And I'm in the second round just now. And the second round happens on Thursday, but I'm like thriving off of it. Like the mm. pressure gets to me, but then on the other side of casting a show, which you can all come and see in April, 2022, um, I got an email the other day from this lady and we won't mention her name and all the stuff online was all the requirements. You've got to send a self-tape. That's the audition because we can't get you in a room just now. So she emails saying, oh, I'm really interested. So I send her the audition side and I said, can you do a self-tape in landscape with this and send me back a headshot, please? And then she emails me back saying, so I don't know why you're asking me to send a self-tape when I'm an actress who's done lots and lots of work and you're not just giving me an audition. So oh. I had never heard of this woman before, right? I, I, I got the email, she's an older lady uh, to play one of the parts. And I was like, she looks perfect. 
So then I emailed back saying, I haven't changed my mind. The audition has always been the self-tape. So then she emails me back with this long, with a CV basically, but in a really dickish way. She's like, in 1993, I'd done three shows at the York, York Royal Opera House with such and such, who was now dead, and we sold out. And then I went and done this, and we sold out. So if I can't get an audition, I'm going to cancel teaching all my accent classes at Italia Conti, because if I can't get one, what's the hope for everyone else? Wow. I emailed back, and I was like, I don't think you understand, but the self-tape is the audition we're living under covid regulations oh my god it's later and was like that's fine i'll do that let me just get onto it and i just emailed back and i was like don't bother oh that's such a shame that's such a shame but the auditioning process is a funny thing because i i had um i i had a i recently finished a series last year actually obviously because of covid um a huge sky one production you know the, the budget was a huge budget and i went for the first audition um and the director wasn't there and then i went for the second audition and um and the director was there and i messed that second call back up i remember ringing my friend kim after and going i made a mess of that i've not got the job and then very very fortunately they took a chance on me and they gave me the job and a few months later down the line the director said i knew that i wanted you for the part anyway but i wanted to know whether you was a cunt because i'd never met him before so he said i wanted to know i wanted to speak to you i wasn't bothered what you did in this in in the in the reading i wasn't bothered i just wanted to know what you was like as a person to know whether i can spend the next 6 months working with you so it was very you know that you've got it is an important thing people of in our industry you've got to be nice you can't be you can't be hard work you can't be obnoxious you can't you've really got to, you know work hard on on just being just treat people how you want to be treated and just don't be yeah. a, a cunt I was just like, it was, we made it obvious that it was two of us, 23 year olds, or soon to be 23 year olds, that are putting on this show for the first time. And I just didn't like the way she came at me. And I was like, nah, not here for it. So, like, you could, she could still send a video. She has the audition sides. I won't watch it. Oh, really? Yeah. Nah. Yeah. And that's a shame. That is a real shame. But, you know, it's, I mean, this is all providing you make it past. June 22nd yeah I mean, it sounds like you're gonna have a big night on June 21st when we're allowed it goes not until April so we're all good April 2022 oh, so you've got six months to recover yeah we're, we're all good yeah. I'm, I'm like <laughs> I, can get drunk as I, want. I really want I'm really intrigued to know what your first night out is going to be like I'm really intrigued I, to know what we'll have I've always wanted to wear a GoPro on a night out, so I might do it. Oh, my God. Imagine that. It'd be like um, Project X, I imagine. I do take it yeah. too far. Like, I get drunk, and I'm really? a big fat bastard, and I don't like walking back and forward to the bar, so I just get a full bottle of wine. Oh. I, I guess it. <laughs> but, like, oh. I, you do I, that because you enjoy it. You do that because you enjoy it. Um, so, like, my record on a night out is 13 bottles of wine. 13 bottles of wine. Wow. I wouldn't even be able to think drink thirteen bottles of beer. I don't think not now. Maybe when I was your this is I'm old now because I'm saying <laughs> maybe when I was your age. Um, um, but yeah, yeah that's, that's impressive. I take it too far too far. Yeah, that is yeah, yeah. And what do your friends? Do your friends sort of click into shit? We need to look after him. Mode? My friends click into why the fuck did we invite him out? <laughs> <laughs> very good, very good. <laughs> um, so before we move on about from this is England. Did um, anything from the set make it home to your gaff? Um, it, nothing as exciting as... I was listening to a, a previous episode of yours with Theo Stevenson, who's a really, really good friend of mine. Um, and he, he said that he got the clapper board from Horrid Henry. Yeah. Pardon? 
he was so lovely. Yeah, yeah. So th- yeah, he, yeah, he's great. I'm a, a big fan of Theo. Um, I took a not only reason the script was good, uh, but I, I got asked to do a film a couple of years ago, and um, as soon as I thought saw Theo's name, I was like, boom, yeah, I'm doing that because I, I'm a big fan of his. So um, yeah, and we stayed in touch, and I spoke to him actually recently, um, having listened to the episode of yours to find out if I was a dick. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and you passed the test. Um, no, so what? I mean, what did I? Did anything go missing? Other than our dignities, we all lost our dignities on that show. Jesus, filming on This Is England. Um, I got yes, it did actually. So we filmed This Is England, the film in two thousand and five, and obviously it was set in nineteen eighty three. Um, and there's a scene where I'm in the playground. Um, it's when I have a fight with the bully. Um, but a scene that got cut was a scene with me at the tuck shop in the playground and the props department gave me a pound note, which is obviously a thing of the past set in 1983. Um, so I managed to, to steal the pound note, which I've still got upstairs. Um, Getting paid for auditioning, paid for meeting them yeah. and just paid for. Yeah, Little did I know that that was going to be my fee for the whole film. <laughs> <laughs> So, so um, yeah, there was that, there was, yeah, there's plenty. Yeah, there's loads of little things that I've um, managed to acquire over the years. I'm in the process of building a bar for the back garden, um, and uh, Shane Meadows is going to send me one of the clapperboards like Theo got from um, This Is England '88. So he's going to send me one of those for the bar, which I think is going to be pretty cool. So perfect segue onto This Is England '86, '88, and '90. Mm. How did you get told that was going to come out? Like. Was that a thing of we're doing this? You're going to be in it, or was it like Shane, Shane, and Mark, Mark Herbert's the producer? Um, they just they just rang us and just said, "Do you want to come to Sheffield and meet up with a gang and throw ideas around? Maybe of maybe doing a making it into a TV series." And obviously, I I just turned eighteen at this point. Funnily enough, I was on the train home from Scotland. It might have been Edinburgh. Um, and they they sent over some scripts and I read them and it's totally different to what actually got made. Um, but yeah, so I remember I was back on, I was on a train from Scotland to Sheffield and met up with a gang and genuinely it was like we'd never been away. We all, because we all stayed in touch anyway, you know, I'd spent a lot of time in in um, in different parts of the country with the, with the guys who we worked with. Um, but yeah, it was like we'd never never been away. It was just it just all clicked, and we, we just became this. We instantly became the gang again. And Shane was just like, "It's happening. We're go- we're gonna have to do this." And yeah, and then we went on to then make eighty eight and and then ninety. So yeah, it was all very very exciting. It all happened quite quickly. But we was all eighteen at that. Well, I was because I was the youngest, and I was eighteen when we made This Is England eighty six, the first series. And we shot it in Sheffield, and we just we just ran riot, man. We yeah. just ran riot around that city. We just because uh, we was because every all of the nightclubs and every all of the pubs and stuff wanted us in there because there was fans and this is England, and we was all just like we just had a key to the city, man. We could just do whatever <laughs> we wanted, and we just yeah we just tore the city a new one really. But we really enjoyed it. We got the job done, and so to be able to go back and do that every other, every couple of years was was a real treat. So see, because This Is England had been, like, so popular, and, like, I can attest to it because I grew up in Scotland, all my friends' dads loved it, all my friends love it. Now, my dad will lose his shit when he finds out that I'm talking to you today. Oh, bless him. Tell him I said hello. What's his name? 
Ingram, same name. Ingram. Oh, there you go. Hello, <laughs> Ingram Senior. Yeah. Um, yeah. So see, because it had been so popular and it had become such a cult classic, were there any reservations at that first point of making the TV show where it was like, fuck, is this going to be as good as what we did? Are we ruining it? Um, for me personally, no. Because we, and I, and I, I think I can speak on behalf of most of the gang. We have so much trust in Shane, who, who writes and directs. And there's just no, there's just no, we just know that what, whatever he makes is going to be magic. Um, and I guess to a certain degree, Shane's got that similar sort of trust in us. He knows that if he can put us all together, we can create some magic together. And it's just that whole sense of trust and, and family that we've got together. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I mean, personally, I didn't, I, I mean, now I think if we went back and did another one, I don't know how it would be because we've all changed so much in our personal lives. Well, the climate's changed as well now. Like if we're talking about that scene in the news agents in the original film, mm. I watched that the other night. Um, mm. I don't think you'd get away with that now. No, I don't think you would. No. Um, but I mean, I think now just in, in, just going back to our personal lives, we've all grown up so much. You know, we, we, I think part of that, a massive part of that show relied on the camera camaraderie between the gang. And that came from going out on the piss, going out and doing things we shouldn't have been doing and spending so much time together offset. Whereas now it's totally different because as we just said before, I've got, I've got my first child on the way. I'm married now. Um, you know, a, a lot of the gang have all got kids, we've all married, we're all moving on to different things. So the idea of going out on the piss the night before we've got work is a massive no-no. I would never do that now. Because of, just going back to, I'm 29 now, so a day out, a night out on the piss ruins me for days now. So I just wouldn't be able to do that. So it'd be interesting to see where this is in England when, if we did do another one, because we're just all totally different. We're not who we used to be, do you know? So I don't know. <laughs> You're in a new film called Creation Stories, and yes. I, I quite like this because it made its international debut in my hometown. Yeah, the Glasgow Film Festival. Which I didn't know was yeah. still going on, if I'm totally honest. Um, <laughs> but yeah, what do you want to like tell us about that? And Yeah, so Creation Stories is the biopic of Alan McGee, who is responsible for the findings of Primal Scream, um, Jesus and Mary Chain, um, uh, and oh, oh, most notably, probably Oasis. Um, but I like to keep that to last to keep it cool, you know. Um, so he he found um, Oasis in Glasgow. Um, can you remember the name of the venue? Do you are you familiar Classic with it? Classic Grand, possibly. But that also fucks up my next question because I'd seen ah. lots of rumours about you starring in an Oasis biopic. I guess this is what they're talking about. This is the one, yeah. So, and a lot of people sort of made that that assumption that it is going to be an Oasis film, and it's not. It's not. A, it's not a film about Oasis. It's a film very much about Alan McGee's life. Um, and obviously, as we all know, people who are fans of Alan McGee know that Oasis, Nolan, Liam, and Bonehead and Gwigsy was a huge part of who Alan is today, and you know, responsible for for the way that Alan's life turned out. I guess in a certain aspect that um you know that and the life that he lived and the, and the success that he managed to 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 pick up on the way um so it is very much about alan and his growing up in glasgow and um about him dealing with just worldwide success overnight 
Um, so yeah, I guess it's, um, but it's a great little film. It's very fast paced. Um, and it's funny and it's, it's heartfelt. And, um, yeah, I think, well, people seem to be really liking it. You know, the, the reaction on social media has been great. And it's just a shame that we couldn't have had a premiere for it because I can only imagine what that party would be like. <laughs> that would, I would, I'd put myself out for that one. I definitely would put myself out for that one. A couple of days out in the diary. Oh yeah, I would definitely. Yeah, probably a week. Um, Glasgow's the yeah. best place to do it as well. Sorry? Glasgow is the best. Glasgow's a great, yeah, great city. I will say this, right, and it always gets a bit of backlash. Glasgow is the best night out in the UK. So I've only had one night out there, um, and it was for my 18th birthday, actually. So I was at the Glasgow Film Festival for my 18th, um, and I was with my ex-girlfriend at the time. um, And we had a night out, but it was very much like, because I I was busy the day after, it wasn't like a mental night out. But I do remember that they had 24-hour Greggs there. There was a 24-hour Greg's, and I remember thinking, I think I'm going to move to Glasgow. <laughs> so there's um, a street in town called Sucky Hall Street, and it's where all the clubs are, well, most of them, or they're all in that vicinity of a couple of streets. Mm-hmm. And on Sucky Hall Street, there is a 24-hour Taco Bell, a 24-hour Greg's, a 24-hour Chinese, a 24-hour sushi place. That street doesn't stop. Who gets pissed on a night out and thinks... Oh fucking hell, I really fancy some sushi. Yeah. Who does that? Do you do have you ever done that? You've ever had sushi? No, I've never had ever. sushi when I'm sober. So no, Greg's I'm I'm there for Greg's McDonald's. Um oh, uh, ounces on our McDonald's on Sucky Hall Street. Oh yeah, they have them most places now, don't they? But yeah, I think my favorite my favorite my favourite meal when I'm when I'm pissed up is probably a McDonald's, I think. Yeah. And I eat like an animal. And like and I eat so much. Well, can you tell me how you don't fucking pack it away? Because Oh, I, do. I do, I do. This is why this is why the camera's from here downwards. Because if I stand up, it's a mess. Why do you think I'm further <laughs> down? <laughs> well, getting out of bed before 10 30, 10 30 might help you. If you get out of bed before call me out, Thomas. Calling you out. Yeah. Um, so then you so creation stories, which I'm actually gonna say I'm quite excited to see. And I don't yeah. say that about a lot of films. Um, but then I wanna I hope I haven't got my date wrong. 30th of April, Intergalactic. Mm-hmm. Yes. That comes out. What was that like filming? Because that's completely different. So this is England. and Yeah. That was the most mind-blowing job. And the mo- it's the, the only job that I... I remember I met Kieran Hawkes, who was the executive producer and the director for the first block. And he said to me, do you want to... And it was all filmed in studio. And he said, do you want to come and look at the spaceship that we've built? And I remember going to the corner in, in Space Studios in um, in Manchester. And I remember turning around and just seeing the, the this huge building with huge sets. And I remember thinking to myself, how the fucking hell have I managed to, to get here? And I remember like just thinking, Jesus, this is like, this is the most mind-blowing job I've ever been on. Um, and yeah, man, it was just like, the budget was like nothing I've ever been on before. Um, and just, yeah, it was just, and the, and the people that we got to work with, um, it was a it was a heavily led female cast, um, which is great to see. Um, all of them are just beautiful and all of them are great actors. Um, and I made a, a friend for life on there. Um, there was only really me and uh, another male actor called Oliver Cooper Smith, who has quickly become one of my best friends. Um, and for that, I always think, you know, money comes and goes and people are watching the galactic and it might, you know, no matter how well it does, eventually it will be forgotten. But 
the friendships, the fr- the friendships that I've made on that job, are, are worth more than anything else. So yeah, so for that, you know, I've just kind of a very very fortunate in that sense. And yeah, so thirtieth of April, it's released on Now TV and Sky One. So that is the best thing yeah. about being an actor, isn't it? It's that you just meet so many people that you did never. Oh. The, the amount of people that I know that have worked on jobs throughout this lockdown and they've said, we've not been able to sit and chill with each other. You know, we've all got to be segregated and we're not allowed to be together. And I genuinely said to my wife, I said, I probably won't go back to work until it's normal because that's the main thing for me is, you know, annoying the cameramen and fucking going up to the sound department and doing, what's this do? And just milling around and sitting in the costume truck and, you know, being annoying in makeup and putting the music on on in the makeup trailers and just you know just being with people and if i can't do that then i don't know and then it it's work then do you know what i mean i don't yeah. feel like what we do is work no and if we and if we can't on a stage well exactly yeah so i don't know i don't i don't, I don't like know i just best friends uh she, a girl called kelsey i met her in college and you know well you might not know when you got college or anything you do drama school the first thing they say on the first day you all sit in a circle and it's like Everybody say your name and a fun fact about you. And I remember we're going around and Kelsey said, hi, my name's Kelsey and I play the bagpipes. Now, controversial being Scottish, I yeah. hate the fucking bagpipes. Oh, really? I was like, I'm never going anywhere near her. Like, I will never speak to her in my life. And we've done three years together and now she's one of my best friends, but she pulled out yeah. the bagpipes and I was like, fucking pack them away. <laughs> like, oh, I don't not... mind the bagpipes, but that's probably because I don't hear them as often as you yeah. do. Try living in the centre of Glasgow. I live, oh. obviously you're into football. I live five minute walk away from Celtic Park. Oh my God. I bet that was chaos the other week, wasn't it? I can only imagine. Well, What's the Rangers ground called? Ibrox. So uh, Ibrox is maybe 10 miles away. But right, okay. I, I live in like a massive area that is literally Celtic versus Rangers. Oh yeah, that all looked in, that looked mental the other day. That all back to lockdown thanks to a couple of fannies. Um, <laughs> so yeah, like just to give you an idea, when I was growing up, we were in the car and my mum left us in the car to go in the shop. Like literally two minutes, and a group of boys come running around the corner. They didn't have knives; they had machetes. They're about sixteen, nice. seventeen. So. Yeah, they, they don't yeah. talk about in Glasgow. They just go straight to swords. Yeah, that's in, that's mental, isn't it? We're very lucky in Grimsby that the, the the sort of the crime rate's quite low. I think. I mean, I I I, I tend to keep myself away from it all anyway, obviously. But um, yeah, yeah, I don't like football, uh, so I don't get involved. <laughs> yeah, you're not a fan of football, no. Nah. No, no, fair enough. Just, I don't see the point. <laughs> No, I see. I'm the opposite. Which, coming I'm from a football fan, it's not going to make sense. My dad's diehard. No, no but I, yeah, I appreciate that. You, you know, not everyone's into it. A bit like I'm not into, you know, the rugby. You know, when Wales are playing England, I'm not. It's just not. I'm just not into that. Really, it's just football, boxing, and golf for me. They're the only three that I sort of enjoy watching. Um, my dad's a diehard Sunderland fan, so like, you oh really? Every Sunderland. Oh, game. So I'm assuming that he loved the Sunderland till I die documentary. Then I don't know. I don't talk to him about oh, it. Well, I'm sure. I'm sure he, he will know what I'm on about. I'm sure. Um, but yeah, so we're coming to the end now, and I always like to play a little game. It's always a fun little game. It's called Stage Right or Stage Shite. So I'm going to give you three theatre scenarios that have been listed, uh, sent in by the listeners. I don't know which one's true. The answers in this sealed envelope. 
Um, so we can play along together. And I, for context, I just showed Thomas the sealed envelope with the answer in. Um, so two of them... I've never done any theatre, by the way. I've never done any theatre. I've never been on stage. So you've got a bit of an upper hand here for me. So three, two of them are completely true. And one of them is stage shite. So it's our job to find out which one is stage shite. So a girl in my college class had a seizure mid-scene. She later admitted to faking it because she couldn't remember her lines and left the course because she was embarrassed. I'm going to stay. I'm going to say stage right. I'm I feel like that true. could happen. I'm also yeah. pretty sad that she had to leave. Um, mm. Number two. We didn't have a lot of money when I was in secondary school and my dad bought me a single red rose to celebrate me playing Sandy in Greece. He gave it to me after opening night. But it wasn't a real rose. It was a Valentine's rose and had a red lacy thong in the middle of the rose. <laughs> I mean, I hope for his fucking sake that that stayed shy. Imagine a child a rose, but it's yeah. like, do you know what one I'm talking about? Like where you pull it out and it's a red yeah. lacy thong. Yeah. Oh, I'd fucking die. Oh my God. Yeah, uh, I'm going to go stage shite, just in sheer hope. hope <laughs> that that's stage shite. Yeah, I, I hope for his sake that that's yeah, bullshit. Yeah. And number three, <laughs> I had a stage combat class in uni and I took the opportunity to, in air quotes, accidentally punch my ex-boyfriend. The bruised knuckles and his broken nose were much worth it. I'm going to go stage right. I, I believe that. I believe that. Definitely. Yeah, I'm kind of the same. I, I reckon it's the rose one. So I'm going to open the envelope and we'll find yeah. out. But to be honest, I've been fucked over with this before. There's some that... Yeah, are... yeah I listened to say the one on Theo. There was a... What was it? There was a director that told someone to change their accent mid... Yeah. Mid show or something. Yeah. yeah. Like, we, we were wrong, by the way. It was number three. Oh, really? <laughs> Yeah. What was that? So, so number three was stage shy. So, yeah, the stage combat one where she um bruised her knuckles and broke his nose. Oh he, my god, someone needs to find this dad. I wanna that that needs to be like that's a Catholic sketch for sure. Yeah, yeah. Someone needs to find the dad from number two and lock him up. I mean, you've <laughs> put the story into my podcast, so I now claim rights to the story. So I'll be producing <laughs> that as a comedy sketch in twenty twenty two. Um, so where can we find you on social media? Uh, you can find me on Instagram, which is Thomas Turgus one. Um, and that's it really. I don't, don't use any more. Yeah, you I came off Twitter, Twitter, are you? No, I come off Twitter because it's full of dickheads. Trump's gone. So with one less dickhead on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, um, no, I, um, I, yeah, I just can't. I, can't, I mean, uh, and if anybody wants to join me on Twitter, I tell Piers Morgan to go fuck himself once a day until he blocks oh, me. So. Yeah. Anyone oh, who I loved it when he walked off Good Morning Britain throwing a paddy. I fucking I was loved so that. happy. Oh, it's just because oh. he because he someone had done to him what he does to someone every morning and In he didn't like it. Like I didn't realize that she just he like fancied her and went on a date with her and then she was like, No. Yeah, yeah. And now he fucking hates her. I uh, I love it. I love it. I love all that stuff, but I try and keep away from it all because it's kind of like I don't know. It can it can send me in a spiral of just getting involved in shit that just doesn't make any difference to me. But yeah, I know what you mean. He's a funny old character, Piers Morgan. <laughs> um, but thank you so much for coming on. Genuinely, like like I said, I was the 2006. This is England came out. I was seven, and yeah. wow. my dad was yeah. very responsible, and I watched the film. 
So <laughs> I, I, I'm a massive fan. Just thank you for coming on because obviously no I know one and I'd say this all the time. Oh, don't um, say that about yourself. Well, no, I am like in relative to terms of the industry. I'm a nobody and I really appreciate that you gave up your time to come on. and. No, don't be silly, but thank you. I really do appreciate that. It's nice to be here. Thank you. Yes. Well, thank you so much for coming on and... I hope we can after well you get a kid so I won't be able to take you out on the piss. No, I know, by the sounds of it, mate, I don't want to come out on the piss <laughs> with you because I come home for a week. <laughs> oh no, I'm not. I'd, I've never done that. I've never done. Maybe, always... maybe we can go for for a cup of tea somewhere. Let's do that. Yeah, but I'm having vodka in mine. Oh yeah, I thought you might. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. No, I've, I've always I've never went on a week bender. Like that's one thing that I can proudly say. Like my two claims to like actual adulthood. I've always been home at that point in the night and I've always yeah. paid my own Netflix my claim oh that's all right then because I'm scrounging oh no I do pay for my own Netflix I'm lying very of, of late I got my own recently but um <laughs> yeah, and I have very much done week-long benders but I've grown out of that now thank you so much for coming on and it's been lovely chatting to you pleasure thank you very bye much bye. buddy thank you so much bye 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 And there we have it. Another episode of the Global Phenomenon podcast completed. This has been episode 24 of Drama School Dropout, and I've been in Grim Noble chatting to Thomas Tergus. Genuinely, like, as the time goes on, I still can't believe that I'm managing to get such cool guests, and I'm having such a ball doing this podcast, and that's all down to you guys at home for listening in and getting us charting in three different countries, making us a global phenomenon. I can't believe it. We have got one more episode left of Double Drama School Dropout this month, and on Friday, I will be talking to two theatre makers from Scotland. I'll be talking to Daniel Cullen and Hannah Morton, and I'm so bloody excited um but thank you guys so much for listening in at home it genuinely has meant the world to me it still does mean the world to me that my little podcast that i produce in my bedroom over zoom is doing so well um and remember follow us all on social media share all of the love with all of my guests you don't even have to follow me just follow them share the love if you're feeling extra generous make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode of drama school dropout again and if you're feeling extra extra generous please remember to scroll down and leave us a little rating and a review like i said we're feeding into my fantasy of being famous and boosting my ego and it really does actually help the podcast. And remember, if you've got any stories for Stage Right or Stage Shite, please email us at dramaschooldropoutpod, so P-O-D at the end of that, at gmail.com. So it's dramaschooldropoutpod at gmail.com. And I will see you again on Friday for episode number 25. Quarter of a way to 100. See you soon, guys. Drama School Dropout no graduation day for you, drama school dropout. Fucked your whole course, now try something new, drama school dropout.